Hello, everyone, and welcome back to EHS on Tap. We're back just in time for the new year with all new episodes, a new host, new guests, and fresh insights into the state of the environment, health, and safety industry today. I'm your host, Justin Scase, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. Now for our 25th episode, sponsored by SafeStart, we're taking a look at the top three safety challenges revealed by SafeStart's first annual safety progress report, which was released earlier this year. This report was based on our annual survey of EHS pros just like you, so some of these challenges will probably sound familiar. Here with me today to lend his expert advice on these safety challenges is Tim Page Bodorf, Senior Safety Consultant for SafeStart, Vice President of ASSE Region 2, and an influential and inspirational speaker with over 20 years of experience in occupational health, safety, and environmental management. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And this is the 25th. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Good, uh, good milestone episode. So let's dive right in with the challenge that came in at number three. Now, 39% of our respondents said that supervisor participation in safety programs was a common safety challenge. So, Tim, how does this even happen? Shouldn't supervisors be the front line of safety? And what can employers do to fix this problem? Well, Justin, to answer the question directly, it's yes. Supervisors should be the front line of safety. But are they? Supervisors can set that pulse to a good safety initiative by walking the talk. Some of the common roadblocks I've seen supervisors face is that they see the business as its primary goal of making money as a priority over safety. Mm. So in manufacturing, they they feel more pressure to get the product made and out the door, which is contrary to the importance of safety. Managers and C-suite executives, they can set an earlier pulse to the supervisors. The productivity and safety can all be a multifaceted approach to running any business if this is set as a clear parallel initiative, supervisors can walk that talk on the shop floor. When you look at the respondents of that survey, the population is mainly EHS professionals who feel like they're not getting any support. And ironically, if you ask the same questions to business executives, they believe that supervisors are on board with any message. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not the case. Right. Company missions, they can't align itself with quality, productivity, and safety. And all of those things measure with the same success matrix. And ultimately, we have to get frontline supervisors those resources they need to make all these things aligned with parallel vision for better frontline safety. Okay. Now, additionally, leadership by example, they, it seems so cliche, but in these cases, it's true. They have to start believing in safety for themselves and their families. But once they believe in it, then leadership by example can't happen. Okay, great. So are there any steps that a company or safety manager can take to ensure that they're hiring the right supervisors or promoting the right people into this role? Uh, what should they look for in a supervise, supervisory candidate, per se? I like the analogy you use there. Steps, um, okay. steps can be climbed. Sometimes we miss steps and trip, fall, or lose our balance. But such is the case with some companies and how it relates mm to the supervisors in that hiring process. So in my experience, when they are recruiting for potential candidates, it's imperative that safety is an item looked for on the resume 
or on the LinkedIn profile or okay. whatever background check they do. The one thing hiring managers can look for is a certification provided by the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. It's called the Safety Trained Supervisor, or STS. Yeah, this can quickly become a prerequisite for companies that want to hire frontline supervisors who already pass a certain level of knowledge, experience, practical application. That's all administered through that exam. And if the company wants to be world-class, then asking okay. for a prerequisite like the STS before they even consider scheduling an interview would be a great first step. Now, a second step would be to ask the right questions during that interview. Questions like, what was your previous experience with safety? Did your last job have safety as a performance component during that annual review? And a third step, yeah, a third step in hiring frontline supervision could include having that safety manager or safety coordinator, somebody from corporate during the interview process. So they'll be present during that interview. They can provide insight whether they lack leadership skill or even provide feedback on how coachable that person can be and if that candidate is anywhere near the realm of safety when they hire them. Gotcha. Okay, those are all very, very good uh, pieces of advice. Um, so why don't we move along to challenge number two that was on our list. Uh, 48% of those we surveyed cited employees either taking shortcuts or ignoring rules, and that was really giving them safety headaches. So is this a problem that can really be solved at a company, or do safety pros just have to kind of be in a constant state of vigilance? I think the problem can be solved. But like I said before, production is more of a priority over safety. The shortcuts seem easy and convenient. Mm. Mm -hmm. The headache isn't caused by the increased production, but the negative response for more production from the employees. Oh, okay. Um, it's human nature to try and make up time or even show our disgust when we don't agree with things. This human nature naturally puts us in a state of mind other than vigilance. Now, if you have ever been late for work, you definitely are in a state of rushing. And the likelihood of you making a mistake increases. Same thing for punching a wall after a state of frustration. A lot of people don't like to admit to this, but combine these two states and you can see how rules can be broken or shortcuts can taken. Yeah, absolutely. And the company can solve these problems by providing hurt tools. Now, hurt tools are, it's not H-U-R-T, but it's H-E-R-T. Human error reduction tools. Okay. This will allow them to work with the state of mind. What I, and what I mean by state of mind, you know what state you're in. And it's hard to eliminate the state. And more times than most, we justify or defend our behavior by deflecting. And we continue down the path of, uh, down the path of error. But one tool that I have found to be more effective is the technique referred to as self-trigger on the state. I'd like for you to control the state as much as you can. In other words, if you're rushing, slow down. If you're upset or angry, try to calm down. But human nature really tells us that we're not going to slow down or stop being angry. We're just going to continue on. So all you got to do is use the state as a trigger to allow your awareness to increase. Okay, great. So what role does discipline play in addressing this uh, second biggest challenge. So what forms of discipline are effective in correcting the problem, but without hurting morale? That discipline has been a, a role in organizations all 
throughout these many past all these years, even being a, a Marine, I have learned that discipline was something that happened quick, fast, and furious. Yeah. But discipline has another meaning too. If you are applying great workplace discipline, it actually helps in the realm of safety. Now, to answer your question, I want to tell you that discipline has a role in deliberate, intentional, willful acts, as long as intent can be can be proven. However, with mistakes and errors, taking a more positive approach to employees' mistakes is much better for repeat good behavior than using discipline. If a company uses discipline, it's important to first find intent. But if there's no willful intent, then discipline is really not needed. What we really need is actually a very helpful conversation between two people, frontline supervision and the employees. And we can focus in on three things, timing, tone, and words, delivering that message. So think about the last time you were pulled over. <laughs> when you were pulled over, was it a very positive experience or very negative experience? It's like, knock on wood, I haven't been pulled over recently, but <laughs> it, I've heard both positive and negative stories, though. <laughs> okay. Well, as far as law enforcement is concerned, I just have to tell you, people that have been pulled over, most of the people think that it's negative reinforcement, and we're always going to consider that we're being disciplined knowing that we made a mistake. we got to get rid of that paradigm or change the paradigm and move towards more positive reinforcement, and that helps us out. So think about this. What would happen if we had police officers start to pull people over and thank them for going the speed limit? Hmm. That would make such a great positive impact. Huh. Yeah, that's very interesting. So now we'll get to the number one safety challenge that was revealed by uh, the annual safety progress report. So 53% of survey participants, over half of them, said that a common safety concern was employee engagement. So Tim, how would you define engagement when it comes to safety? That's in my experience, this is the biggest problem for me as well. Um, employees participating in the company initiative for safety, that's really truly the definition. Participation needs to be defined, but more importantly, that company safety initiative, that needs to be really defined as well. Okay. So are there any particularly effective methods for improving employee engagement and safety? Uh, maybe the answer is in the hiring process, the training process, employee review process, or maybe it's just a combination of a variety of factors? Well, there is a combination of factors. I will tell you, we just talked about the hiring process. But where I find the most value is to engage them in the training process. Yeah. You actually get a kind of a collective crowd together. And when you get this crowd together, they are in there listening to your message. Mm. And if you get them engaged, there's little things that you can do, tricks of the trade. Chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate is such a great way to get people engaged. Absolutely. And if you hand these things out throughout the class or the training period, they're going to just be really engaged and they're really going to be actively participating. And by definition, you start there. That spreads out on the shop floor. Mm. The combination of factors, yeah, for sure. I, I think you can also add it in the employee review process. Um, that could start, you know, with what have you done for safety this year? Have you performed safety? Have you done your job? Yeah, that would actually get people to more engaged, especially near the end of the year. Mm -hmm. 
when the reviews, yeah, when that review comes. Right. Absolutely. So, all of these uh, top three challenges that we've been talking about, they seem to share a common theme, just sort of overall organizational attitudes towards safety. Would you say that all of these challenges are safety culture issues? Great question. Safety culture issues to me could be systemic in the group participation or employee participation, but a lot of that is driven by the value and the mission by the company. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to your original question, organizational attitudes towards safety. That is huge. If the company's mission towards safety is above and beyond anything else, then you'll have a great world-class safety program. What would even be better is that if they integrated safety into their quality, production, and even their customer relations, if they, if they integrated all four of these things, you would find a huge world-class organization. That, that's excellent. So what do you think that uh, the biggest safety challenges will be in the future? Do you think we'll continue to see the same issues time and again, you know, sort of the way OSHA's top 10 violations always seem to remain somewhat consistent? Or will we see new concerns taking priority? Both. I think you're going to see a lot of returning challenges. I also believe that employee engagement being number one still um, I'd also like to add that there is a new, this new thing on the high line. And I find that there's a generational gap between generations and how to communicate between these generations from uh-huh. baby boomers to millennials trying to figure out how, what this challenge is creating for the organizations. And it's a big deal. And I think that the better way to do this and deal with this is communication. And the communication patterns that we have, what I've seen is that one organization or one one group like millennials, they just don't want to be categorized as a group. They're individuals. So what you can what, what we can do is treat them as individuals. And when we do that, we will find that their individual contribution will actually be part of the larger picture. And it'll seem like a very team oriented um, contribution, which is really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been uh, fantastic advice for our listeners, Tim. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to to add for uh, for our listeners? No, I just want to tell everybody that I, I think that we're all doing a pretty good job in terms of safety and health. Um, if I could come up with one reoccurring theme that shows up throughout this uh, podcast, I truly believe if we can work on integrating And having that organizational message and attitude come out, just like you said before, we would have a really good chunk out of injuries. No pun intended, (laughs) but I really truly believe that these top three safety challenges, these are things that we could start to work on now and we can all work on them together. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate all the work and congratulations on 25. Absolutely. Thank you. And we also want to thank Safe Start for sponsoring this episode of EHS on Tap. Now, one final note to our listeners. The second annual safety progress survey is currently open, but only for a few more weeks. We want to know your experiences with safety challenges and successes in the past year, so please be sure to take a few minutes to share your opinion. You can find a link to this survey right on this episode's webpage, the page you're looking at right now. 
But as we've said, time is limited. Be sure that you and your company help shape the safety conversation in 2018 by participating in the survey and its upcoming report. So thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.